Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On Commons People this week, Labour at war again. If this is Keir's idea of unity, then he has a, a different perspective than I do. Is there a way out for Keir Starmer? I think Keir Starmer's taken the right decision that until Jeremy Corbyn makes a full apology, and it's got to be a full apology, no ifs, no buts, no conditional clauses, uh, then what Keir Starmer has decided is the right thing to do. And Boris Johnson's reset gets off to a difficult start. And it doesn't matter that uh, we were all doing social distancing. It doesn't matter that I'm fit as a butcher's dog, feel great. Hello and welcome to Commons People. I'm Arj Singh and joining me this week is Paul War. Hi Arj. Hi Paul. Rachel Wearmouth is here. Hi Arj. Hi Rachel and we're joined by the senior Labour MP Ian Lavery. Hello there Arj. How are Hi, you doing? Very well thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. Good. Well, well, well I'm saying good, good, good. Under the political circumstances I think I'm just holding me head above the water. Well, yes, Keir Starmer's honeymoon was well and truly over this week as Labour erupted into civil war over Jeremy Corbyn's status in the party. Corbyn was suspended for his reaction to a landmark report on anti-Semitism, but reinstated by a disputes panel earlier this week, sparking a backlash from Jewish members and some MPs. But then Starmer refused to allow Corbyn to sit as a Labour MP, withholding the whip in a decision met with fury from the left. Unite leader Len McCluskey is not happy. Let's have a listen. As far as I'm concerned, I'm obviously saddened and somewhat astonished that we find ourselves once again in this situation. Uh, If this is Keir's idea of unity, then he has a a different perspective than I do. The reality is that we were told that a process needed to be gone through. Uh, That process was went through, through various stages. And an NEC panel, a unanimous NEC panel of five individuals uh, made a decision. And let me just make this clear. Uh, Out of the five, in case there's any dubiety, there are only two out of those five who could be described as Corbyn supporters. And yet it was a unanimous decision. Uh, And now Keir seems to have disregarded process and, uh, and stepped in with this extraordinary decision. It, it looks to me very much like a witch hunt and persecution of, um, of a decent man. You know, people can disagree with Corbyn on a whole host of things, but I think most people regard him as a decent, honest individual. Paul, McCluskey in that clip accused Starmer of unfairly persecuting Jeremy Corbyn. Is that correct? Well, that's certainly what a lot of people um, on the left, including Jeremy, um, uh, Len McCluskey, think. And not just Len McCluskey, don't forget a large number of Labour members who elected Keir Starmer in the first place because they thought he'd, he'd be of some form of continuity of Jeremy Corbyn's politics because that's what they were promised in the leadership. But there, I think the really interesting thing is 
yeah, they, they set up this disciplinary process and it concluded and then it, it cleared Jeremy Corbyn um, well, well, with a warning. And it's not important not to forget the warning bit, um, but it, it largely said he should be restored as a member um, and was restored as a member. And then there's a whole separate process about whether or not he should have the whip. And I think what's really important there is Keir Starmer's uh, original pledge way back when he was elected in April. And I looked it up. He said... The test, my test for success, will be the return of Jewish members and those who felt they could no longer support us because of anti-Semitism. That's his test. That's the test he set himself. And when this decision came out on Monday night, um, basically that test looked like it was going to be broken because a lot of the Jewish community's reaction was um, one of unhappiness, including Margaret Hodge, who, as we've learned today, she kind of confirmed that she said she was basically going to quit the party if that decision stood. Now, if you set yourself that test and then you you fail it, it shows in a way how you've you've sort of um, made that the central priority. And if you make it the central priority and then the Jewish community and Jewish MPs say they're going to walk, then I suppose in many ways he felt, well, how do I stop this? And that was his reaction. I mean, there's a whole other host of issues, but I think in the in the in the short sort of time frame of it, that's really what drove it. Um, Ian, what's your take on the situation? There have been some suggestions that Keir Starmer went back on his word in this decision. Well, I think that's the, the voice on the street, isn't it? That Keir uh, apparently agreed to something and then is is basically reneged. Um, if, if that is the case and that can be proven to be the case, then, you know, Keir's got uh, something to answer for because, you know, in politics, respect really in a political party is, is everything. Um but it looks to me, basically, I mean, I, I listened to what uh, um, Lane McCluskey had to say. But listen, it, the, the membership was so demoralised at this moment in time with regard to what's happening within the party. As Paul says, you know, um, the Keir Starmer suggested that he was the, the unity candidate. He's a man that he would bring the, the party together because, quite frankly, you know, win elections unless you, uh, unless you are a united party. And it looks as if um, Keir Stone was doing exactly the opposite. I've got to say, the you know the members um, who I've spoken to, you know, do the same as everybody else. I listen a lot and and listen to what people are saying. And it looks very much so as if this is a, a, a vengeful, divisive, provocative sort of move from Keir Stone. This isn't about united the uniting the party. It looks to me as if it's a personal political vendetta now from the new leader of the party to the previous leader of the party. Because when you look at you know what is being expected, what's being required, what's being asked of, of Jeremy since he was suspended. And by the way, I don't think there's anybody clear on what rules and why Jeremy was suspended other than Keir perhaps didn't like uh, some of the language he used. There's nothing in the rule book. Uh, there's nothing there uh, concrete why Kia actually suspended him in the first place. So there's a lot of questions uh, going around about this. But yeah, listen, we've, we've seen what's happened in the last two or three days. And, and people are just sick. And people are, are fed up to the back teeth uh, of what's going on. And Jeremy, as I said before, Jeremy, uh, he received a, a letter from the General Secretary, uh, very, very lengthy document. He answered all of the questions. He submitted a statement to the um, 
the campaign, sorry, the uh, the NAC subcommittee. Uh, they listened to what Jeremy had to say. They were advised by legal advisors. They were advised by Glue as well that um, you know they had that information before them, and they unanimously. Uh, agreed that Jeremy Corbyn should be reinstated in the Labour Party. No, you know the question has got to be asked: Does the Labour, the, 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 the leader, sorry, of the Labour Party actually have the power, or indeed should he have the power, to overrule uh, a committee of the National Executive Committee, a subcommittee of that, uh, who you know it was it was five people who were selected by the General Secretary, on that, you know, his, you know, his remit. Uh, they, does the does Keir Starmer, does any leader of the Labour Party, or should they have the power just to overrule a decision made by these people who were democratically elected by the membership? Uh, and if the answer is he should have the power, then there's something wrong anyway. And if the answer is he shouldn't have the power, well, why on earth did he use that power? In the first place. Why do you think um, Keir Starmer would have a, lot of, a vendetta against Keir Starmer? Why? Why? It was well, quite, strong, quite a strong word to use. Rachel, that's that's what's coming across loud and clear because none of this, like, it's really hard to to un, unpick what's happening here, and that's the conclusion that many people are coming to. And I'm afraid that uh, you know, unless Keir can make this absolutely clear from the beginning, from when Jeremy was suspended, from who actually made the decision. Because, you know, the EHRC's recommendations that morning, basically, said that there should be no political interference in the disciplinary process. Well, who made the decision to discipline Jeremy? Uh, and uh, as a consequence of that, who made the decision that Kia has got the, uh, the overriding powers to overrule a national executive committee. I mean, listen, I'm not being melodramatic, but that's a little bit like a, a tin pot dictatorship to me. You know, we've got to have we've got to have some form of democracy in the party, and at this moment in time, it doesn't look as if we have. Keir just needs to explain who who um, who suspended him in the first place and the decision why he's decided not to restore the whip. Listen, that's some good political commentators on here, uh, does anybody know the last time the leader actually um, insisted that the whip wouldn't be restored to an individual MP following suspension? I mean, oh. has that ever happened before? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's unprecedented. There's no question about that. It just hasn't happened. I mean, you know, there's a separate issue, like sometimes... The whipping is dealt with separately from party membership. If there's a criminal case, like Eric Joyce, for example, you know that didn't that went to the cops. He had the whip withdrawn, but it didn't go to the party because the party realised, look, that's nothing to do with us. You know, let's wait for the police. Um, but yeah, it's unprecedented to to have it like this. There's no question. But the thing, interesting thing, Ian, is, I mean, what what people on the left, members of parliament and ordinary members, what they do now, because obviously there's a mobilisation to to support Jeremy, but I mean, former MP Thelma Walker, she quit the party last night. Um, do you think, what do you make of that? He has, in, in my view, painted himself into to, to a very narrow corner. Um, you know, he, he said, he, I think he left a little bit of wriggle room by saying that he would continually 
review the position, and that's the right thing to do, I think. I, I've got to say that the decision not to readmit Jeremy or give him the restore the whip was the wrong decision to make. And you know what, Paul, it isn't just left-wing members of the party. It's the part, a lot of members right across the party. Thelma Walker, who was an excellent member of parliament, PBS to John McDonnell, uh, wasn't what you would say uh, a left-wing member of, the, of the, 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 the Labour Party. She was basically possibly soft left. She was a fantastic MP. And for people like Thelma, who's been committed to the party for, you know, 10, perhaps 30 years, to decide she's had enough. It's about time some people just start to sit back and listen to what's being said, because this isn't the left-right issue. This is what powers has the leader uh, got? What powers how will a leader have going forward as well? Because if, if Keir Starmer or if the leader of the Labour Party can just sit back and say, I'm withdrawing the whip from him and I'm restoring the whip from her, uh, wh where does that leave the party in terms of democracy? People have got to be accountable. We've got a rule book. We've got a national rule book. We've got a PLP uh, rule book as well. You know, we've got to adhere to the to the uh, the principles, the custom and practice, and the rules of the the Labour Party. Surely, the goodness. But Ian, if if he continues not to follow those rules, and you, you as you just said, would you ever be tempted to quit the party? Uh, listen, this this question, Paul, has been put to me in my long uh, membership of the party of more than 30 years. Uh, I, I think I've been asked this question a, a million times. I wish I had a pound or a penny even for every time somebody's asked me the question. I, I'm, I'm of the belief, the firm belief that the Labour Party, you know, was founded by working people in the, the early end of the, the 1900s to give a voice to ordinary people in the commons. The issues that were raised then at the time, you know, health, inequalities, education, housing, wages, terms and conditions, are still very relevant uh, today as they were all those years ago. So I, 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 this, is, this is my party. I'm not walking away from what I say is my party, it's our party collectively. And, you know, the threat to, to walk away as an MP is easy. Anybody could, can suggest that. Um, but, I've, you know, I've looked at that situation. I've answered that question lots and lots of times. I want the party to be united. I want the party to um, flourish, move forward, win an election in 2024. If that's with Keir that's fine. But I think on this issue, we've got to get the AHRC uh, recommendations implemented as soon as possible. Get rid of the anti-racism. Get rid of anti-Semitism. Get rid of... The, the horrific situation that we have all experienced in the party over the, the, the past few years, because, you know, the country is on its knees. The country, we, we, we have the death rate. Yes, sir, 500 odd people died. We've got 64,000 people now died as a result of COVID. Things are getting worse. We've got a, the, the biggest downturn in the economy for like generations. Uh, and we, we lost some jobs, hand over fist. We just seen the huge rise this morning in youth unemployment. The country's on its knees. And what we need to do, we need to be fighting the, the, the conservatives, not each other. We're not the enemy of each other. We should be holding Boris Johnson and the Tories, uh, holding them to account for the absolutely disastrous situation this country's in. You know what, Paul? 
you know, what we're talking about having some sort of recess to COVID at Christmas. I mean, it's ludicrous what was, you know, it, when you think of the consequences that might bring, it might mean that basically we're, we're scheduling the death of people in this country. That can't be the case, man. We, you know, really should be. So we've got lots of issues we need to be to be yeah, fighting on. Lots of fronts we need to be fighting on. Let we get on to the political, political agenda. Let we start discussing the real issues facing the, the, the country at large, the people in the communities up and down this country who are suffering greatly, whether it's unemployment, whether it's um, the, the, the natural well-being. That's what we've got to do. Instead of trying to persecute uh, individuals within the party, yeah, okay. Uh, Ray, uh, Ian, we'll come on to talking to COVID in a bit, but Rachel, you wanted to come in there. Yeah, I was just because it was sort of, if you look at it from Keir Starmer's point of view, going back to the Labour stuff, um, he's sort of new leader of the party, his, his new tagline is new leadership. And, and as Paul says, he's sort of set himself this test as whether or not Jewish members will go back into the party. Do you think it would be, do you think it would help the situation at all at this point for, for Jeremy Corbyn to offer some kind of apology? Just to get you know, just to get the thing moving. Well, listen, it, this shouldn't really. Um, it's not about picking sides, Rachel. It, it 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 it's about unity and it's about securing the future of the party. And it's well, not but do you think it will be helpful? Well, but it's not. It, it's not about you know, like appeasing one part of the party and 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 not the other. This is a serious issue. What Jeremy Corbyn is doing, right? Jeremy has um, he, he's adhered to every request that he's had uh, from the General Secretary of the party. He's submitted his uh, written answers to the, the panel. He has, he's also had a, a written statement to the panel. This panel, uh, these were selected by the General Secretary. These were, uh, these were people who, or they, they are people who were elected by the, the membership uh, if the if the party and these had legal advice from the party legal advisors, these are the people who had the advice in front of them and determined they determined that Jeremy should be reinstated to the party. I think that's that's enough. Jeremy has said a million times. He's explained his position a million times. So we've got to get you know the way to move forward really is to care to accept the the the, the ruling of that. National Executive Subcommittee. Ian, you said something interesting there. You said, um, you know, you want to focus on tackling the Tories, yeah, and, and obviously shift the debate onto what's happening in the country. And I, I get that. But you said something interesting. You said, if Keir Starmer is leader in the next election, do you think he will be? Um, well, I hope that Keir can unify the party. I've, I've got to say the first few months of his leadership uh, would suggest that, uh, that that's not his intention, um, unless he proves otherwise, of course. So, Keir, Keir uh, is in the leader. You know, obviously, he's, he's, he, he should be uh, in a in poor position to lead the party in the next election. But, you know, there's a lot hinging on um, how, how Keir reacts, not just to this, but, but how Keir performs on behalf of the party. Um, and that, there is a lot of, of concern, I've got to say, and that's early days. Um, there's a lot of concern about the, the fact that, you know, earlier on that the, the party in relation to COVID in particular, they, you know, 
here would suggest that, you know, we support the government in this, we support the government in this, we support the government in this, we support the government in this. And then there's the issues of the, the abstention policy on the, the cheese bill, on the overseas territories bill. There's a lot, there is a lot of concern, genuine concern in the party about the, the direction the party might be taking. And here's basically, I, I would think like, like any leader, the first year, They'll determine um, the future for a, for a leader, but you know what we've got to do. We've got to take care to his word. He came out. Uh, he said he was a unifying, he's a unifying candidate. He also came out with a, a ten point plan, uh, which you know I thought was really good. And he's got to prove that he actually means this ten point plan. He's got to deliver. Um, the the ten point plan. To and if he doesn't the, deliver on that, if he if he doesn't deliver, do you think that actually there'll be people within the party, whether it's members or MPs, who might actually want to do what was done to Jeremy Corbyn and, and launch a leadership challenge or a vote of no confidence in him? Well, that that, 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 that there's always the opportunity of a leadership challenge, and the rules allow that to, to, to happen. Um, and you know, it just depends on on how Kia. How Keir's leadership develops. I've got to say, I'm very disappointed in it in this moment of time. And it's not a left-right issue. Keir Starmer is a very genuine, decent fellow a, a individual. Um, but it's a direction and what's coming from him. He's it, caused absolute mayhem in the party uh, since his leadership. The membership, both left, right, and in the middle are wondering what on earth is going on with the, the Labour Party this moment of time. Instead of keep talking to ourselves and attacking ourselves, why why should that be the case? Why should the Labour Party new uh, like uh, messaging under, uh, well, it's not even under, it's just new leadership? I mean, new leadership basically is a message telling the rest of the country that Jeremy Corbyn's gone. Why should it not be the, the messaging not be something like, you know, what the, the, the party actually stand for, for the many, not the few. That was, you know, that was fantastic. But everything seems at this moment of time as if there's a political provocation from the leader's office. I wish that wasn't the case, and I'm really disappointed to have to say that. But to, to be honest, that's the situation. That's how many people feel. So I think there's always the discussions, there's always noises about people should be challenged I would like to see the party settle down. I'd like the party to be unified and I'd like to move on and hold the government's feet to account for the disastrous situation that many people feel themselves in in, in this company at this moment in time. And it's not likely to get better in the very near future, neither, I mean. Well, yeah, as you say there, Ian, while Labour descended into infighting, Boris Johnson was attempting to reset his premiership following the departure of Dominic Cummings from Downing Street. It got off to a pretty rocky start after the Prime Minister was forced to isolate, having come into contact with a Tory MP who tested positive for COVID. But we did have some announcements on climate change and defence spending, while new Press Secretary Allegra Stratton has called a truce in Number 10's war with the media. Thoughts are now turning back towards COVID, England's lockdown, and what kind of Christmas we all might have. Uh, let's just have a listen to Public Health England's Susan Hopkins on the tiered local restrictions, which should be coming back in from December 2nd. 
the tiering of the country has had a different effect in each area. Tier 3, and especially Tier 3 plus in the north, um, has had an effect in reducing the numbers of uh, cases in the northwest, and we can see the northwest declining number of cases now. Tier 2 seems to hold in some areas and not so well in others, and so really it depends on how fast transmission is occurring and how well the individuals in the population are taking that advice in. Uh, we see very little effect from Tier 1, and I think when we look at what tiers may be there in the future, we will have to think about strengthening them in order to get us through the winter months until the vaccine's available for everyone. Paul, uh, Johnson has been forced into isolation despite bursting with antibodies, in his own words, uh, but has the reset worked so far? Well, the big problem is for any government that's been in power for a while, and Gordon Brown had this problem, um, how do you renew yourself in office? How do you, you know, revive yourself? And, and, and they often came, the problem with Gordon Brown was he did a lot of what seemed to be relaunches and they didn't really work. Um, and with Boris Johnson, we're seeing another relaunch. It's just it's supposed to be a, like, as you know, people say there's a new tone and that's important. Tone's important. But ultimately, it's about the substance of what a government's about. Boris Johnson's got this phrase, hasn't he, which is the blessed sponge of amnesia he uses. He, he hopes that the people will and his party will forget the fact that he's been actually and his party been in power since 2010. And somehow he, he's like the opposition leader. He's the Jeremy Corbyn. He's come into power and he's going to shake it up. That That's what helped him win in 2019. Let's be honest, in lots of areas in the northeast, the northwest, it was that idea that he was something different um, and that he was going to follow through on Brexit and, you know, he was going to shake things up a bit. The problem is we've seen since he's actually been in power that actually, you know, it, it is about substance. It's not about tone. And what what has he got to show for it on substance on COVID? There's lots of failures, lots of other areas. There's lots of failures on inequality, you name it. And I think this is the danger that we all keep thinking by talking about Cummings and Kane and these advisors. It was as if somehow Johnson is an innocent bystander and this is all happening around him. When, to be honest, he's not a bystander. He's the guy who's in charge of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Ian, you kind of mentioned the government's prospective approach to coronavirus and Christmas earlier. Um, are, are you worried about what might happen and do you think lockdown should be lifted on December the 2nd and what what do you think should happen over Christmas? Well you know what I'm, I'm really concerned about I've got me I've got the figures here just for where I'm sitting here in the northeast um, and although the figures are masked because Northumberland where I am is southeast Northumberland it's the densely populated area of Northumberland where I'm actually sitting the rate for CV19 is 835 to 100,000. It's frightening. We've had restrictive uh, measures in place for quite some time now. Um, we won tier two. It uh, didn't seem to work. It's been increasing since we were introduced and in, in, in put into uh, tier two. And now we, like everywhere else, we've been uh, under this so-called national lockdown. This isn't a national lockdown. However, we've got to be honest with each other. This isn't a national lockdown. Uh, and you just need to get on any high street to see that uh, people aren't accepting that this is a lockdown. You know, we've got um, people roaming around without masks on. We've got people up and down the country uh, ignoring the, the the fact that they should only be leaving a house for uh, restrict under restrictive measures. 
But it, it's just not happened. This isn't a, a lockdown. We've got the schools. There's evidence there that the, the schools, the kids, particularly in secondary school now, uh, are, are transmitting the disease unbelievably uh, rapidly. Uh, the schools are open. The universities are open. Uh, if you cannot work from home, get into the get into the the, the the factory where you work or your place of work. This isn't a lockdown, man. It really isn't. And you can see, that, I mean, the, the facts and the figures are there. You can see that um, that there's a there's been a massive increase in the uh, transmission rates, uh, hospitalizations, uh, the use of ICU beds, the use of ventilators. Uh, it, it will peak, of course, uh, but I, I would imagine that'll be um, a week or so. Away. Depends what happens, you know, on December the 2nd. I'm sure that Johnson will, will not be wanting to say, right, OK, we're going to extend this lockdown. But he'll have uh, something like, OK, uh, we, we need to continue with measures uh, and perhaps it'll be tier four, uh, maybe it's tier four, tier five, tier one, two and three never worked. Uh, Whitty and uh, the rest of the uh, the Sage team have already said that the tier system didn't work, but it looks as if that's what uh, Johnson's going to implement at this moment in time. Maybe the tier four on that, something similar to what's happening. And so, yeah, and another thing, harsh to think that we we only even taking us. So we haven't even got a test and trace system in, in place at this moment in time. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's nothing happened. This was going to be the, the world beaten test and trace. Where is it? Where is it? It's not in place. And until we've got a test and trace, uh, a, a decent test and trace system in place, we, we cannot manage this. And of course, the vaccine is all important as well. But I don't think it's a coincidence that Johnson and all these other companies have come and said, right, the vaccine will be ready for Christmas. And now while they're telling people that Christmas, uh, might not be cancelled, and we, if everybody behaves themselves on the run of the Christmas, then we might have some sort of ease down to the lockdown, where at least three families can meet. It, it's basically total and utter chaos, and I would like to see, I really would like to see the, the evidence which suggests that this is actually sensible, because it isn't. We've got a, we've got a raging epidemic we should be addressing those problems. Uh, and I'm, I'm, when you look at the main items of discussion, it didn't test and trace, it isn't the increase in, it's almost, God bless you know, with the, 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 the mountain death rate that we, that we get on a daily basis. People aren't listening to statistics anymore. People uh, aren't really interested in the lockdown anymore. They're not interested in what the government's saying anymore. The government have got to get a grip of COVID-19, where we've got the highest death rate in Europe. And we've got to keep asking ourselves why. But Paul says, you know, he does suffer from selective amnesia, uh, does Johnson. He he believes that he can just wipe that clear and then tell people it's a the British bulldog style will get through this. Too many people have died as a consequence of COVID-19. If too many people died, is a consequence of the, the decision-making uh, of Johnson and his team. There's too many people died as a result of the dithering of the, the Conservative Party with regard to COVID-19. We kind of let them off the hook. And that's what I'm saying. This is what we need to focus on, Arch. These are the issues we need to be raising time and time and time again. And I understand KSC wants to work with the government 
wants to work with Boris Johnson to try and resolve this. I agree with that because we've got to pull together nationally, but we've got to do it on, on a serious basis, cross-party. I'm sure that's not Boris's idea. Boris will be wanting to come through this, or you know, like a, a knight in shining armor on the big white horse, saying, look, I totally will go through this. And when he does that, because he will do that, it'll be an insult to every single person and the family that sadly passed on as a result of COVID-19. Yeah, listen, we've got to move on because, because Ian's got to go. Um, so let's do the quiz. Okay. Uh, just shout the answer if you know it. Uh, this week's quiz is all about Dominic Cummings to mark his departure. Uh, it's quite a hard one this week, but let's let's crack on. Uh, in his youth, Cummings was employed in a job by his uncle. But what was the job? He was yeah. a doorman, wasn't he, at the bar? Yeah, well done. Well done, Rachel. He was yeah. what? He was, he was a doorman at uh, Clute in Durham, the nightclub. That's right. He wouldn't last, a, he wouldn't last a, a, a night as a doorman in, in Wandsbeck, let me tell you. But that's another <laughs> bit. <laughs> Yeah, he was the doorman at Clute nightclub in Durham, which was owned by his uncle and has been described as the worst club in Europe. Um. <laughs> it was all Surprise, surprise. Listen, that's an unfair question, because I think Rachel might have just been a regular at that nightclub. I'll lose it. She'll deny it. She'll deny it, but I think she might have just been a regular at the worst nightclub in Europe. <laughs> Rachel, no, no, do you want I was, I was, a, I was a regular at the shoe in Crook. <laughs> is, this, is this why he actually wants to, you know, like, Brexit means Brexit. Get out of Europe, because he once was a bouncer at the worst Next question. Uh, which senior Tory MP attempted to oust Cummings from the board of Vote Leave in the run-up to the 2016 EU referendum? Was it Bernard Jenkin? Yeah. It was Bernard Jenkin. Well done, yeah. Paul. I yeah. knew that. Uh, Jenkin wanted to unite Vote Leave and Nigel Farage's Leave.eu campaign, but failed. Uh, final question then, it's, uh, it's all to play for. Uh, which group did Cummings describe as useful idiots for the Remain campaign, adding that they should be treated like a metastasizing tumour and excised from the body politic? The cabinet. No. For the, for the Remain campaign. <laughs> um, He's right. Oh, who would that be? Useful idiots for the Remain campaign. Yeah. Oh, who's that? Um, I don't Tory know. Brussels. Tory Brexiteer MPs. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a point there. Yeah, <laughs> it's the, it's the European Research Group. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Uh, the arch Brexiteer Tory faction that was uh, once led by Jacob Rees-Mogg. I think it was at the time. Uh, Rachel, you've won the quiz. Congratulations. This Ian, never you happens. Need, Ian, you don't need, <laughs> this yeah, never happens. You might need a Corbyn <laughs> research group in Labour, do you? Um, well, that's, that's a, an interesting view. I mean, uh, you know, we, we haven't got a clue what's what's going to happen like in the next half hour than the Labour Party this moment of time, Paul, so who knows what's going to happen next week? Uh, <laughs> we've just got to keep, you know, we've got to keep focus. We've got to, you know... Focus is winning the next election. The focus is making sure that uh, we we are united as a party and, and let them move on. Implement the EHRC uh, recommendations. 
uh, draw line under this and hopefully that the Jewish communities uh, understand that they are most welcome in the, the Labour Party uh, and you know we want to see every everyone feeling as if it's a party that welcomes them. Let me, let me move on, let me start tackling the, the real uh, real issues facing the country in terms of COVID-19 and the economy and jobs. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you to my guests for joining me and make sure you subscribe to Commons People on all the usual channels and please be sure to leave a review and get your daily dose of what's happening in Westminster by subscribing to the Warzone newsletter at bit.ly forward slash the hyphen war hyphen zone. Uh, we'll just leave you with an incredible attempt at spin from White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany. Are you prepared to say that the President, will de President Trump will definitely attend the inauguration? Uh, again, you know, that's many that's many steps away here. Uh, we're talking January and uh, President Trump believes he will be President Trump, have a second term uh, and litigation is the first step, many steps away from that. It would look pretty bad if he did not attend the inauguration. It would sound like, well, look like sour grapes, wouldn't it? I, I think the president will attend his own inauguration. He would have to be there, in fact. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.